Chapter Two of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter Two Many a True Word Spoken in Jest. Are we late, Mother Mine? asked Betty as Mrs. Baird came into the dining room, sorting a handful of yellow flowers for the table. No, child, run up to the study and call your father before he's too much absorbed in his writing we are having dinner early so that he can attend a meeting at the manse now edwina dear set the chairs around the table betty flew up the stairs and soon reappeared with her father they walked arm in arm down the spacious staircase into the room a bit of dinner ceremony that the dignified clergyman always expected of his impulsive daughter after the soup mrs baird said since we are pressed for time betty you and edwina may help to bring in the dinner come edwina bound as to the tabor's sound betty cried and she whisked the child into the kitchen almost upsetting jovial old katy the ancient cook who seemed to have been handed down with the family silver from mrs baird's home so many years had she and her mother served there you two chillin do beat the band she protested grinning broadly then with a silver meat platter heaped with fried chicken held up firmly in both hands she shuffled in she nodded her red and yellow turbaned head approvingly with a self-satisfied smile as she glanced down at the savory dish on her way to the kitchen she halted at the door to catch the doctor's look of approval she had scarcely disappeared when betty bearing imitatively a glass dish of quivering cranberry jelly and another with a creamy cone of mashed potatoes and edwina with a platter of crisp brown corn pone came in and flanked the meat plate with their burdens the mimic serving was so true to the model that mrs baird laughingly asked betty if she was never going to grow up yet as she looked into the frank beautiful eyes that held the warmth and joy of springtime her longing to keep her a child belied her present chiding never i fear carissima acquiesced betty cheerfully i don't feel any more equal now to being eighteen than i did at fourteen immediately after grace during which it must be confessed her large black eyes peeped hungrily at the chicken edwina piped up pointing to a bowl of daffodils in the centre of the table dotty brought those flowers over uncle william dotty is very kind the doctor said halting his fork in mid-air as he looked carefully at the flowers i think the ellsworths always have the finest of everything in their garden craig's scientific gardening is paying him at last said betty with pride in her boyfriend's achievements he's been helping me on saturdays when home from columbia and next year we'll have all the early earthy things we need right out of our own kitchen garden aunt helen you don't know what cousin betty is going to do now exulted edwina with knowing eyes and a demure smile mrs baird smilingly shook her head wait until dessert little edwina she suggested then we shall have more time i can hardly believe it is another venture everybody laughed betty most of all nevertheless down in their hearts her parents appreciated very tenderly what betty was trying to do it was simply the old story dr baird after twenty-five years in the ministry had bought this small farm on long island 
to be near his work as one of the assistant secretaries of the home mission board the heavy mortgage on it was held by a man who constantly threatened foreclosure if the interest was not paid on the very day it was due these conditions had thrust upon betty the problem of fitting herself to put her shoulder to the wheel as a son might do and help her father to lift the mortgage she had no thought of a career dr baird belonged to the old school and it was painful to him to think of his daughter starting out as a breadwinner yet his increasing ill health and the inevitable superannuation were constantly before him and it seemed wiser to allow betty while still young to attempt to make herself independent in the beginning her modest ventures had it is true failed one after another but finally a way was opened after a series of experiences the most trying of which was her deposal by the rich mr webby from the village librarianship to make room for one of his distant relatives betty had found her niche in miss minturn's studio of design in new york this position had been offered to her through the good offices of her old schoolmate mary livingstone who was a senior at the pines when betty was a worshipping freshman there mary had married a mr king and was now living on their large estate on the outskirts of hobart not far from betty's home miss minturn was a woman of wealth and wide social influence and withal an original character who had determined to abandon dinners and receptions and to have a life work as her brothers had being indefatigable herself her nervous energy kept everybody around her in a whirlwind of activity yet her nature was so generous and inspiring that hard work in her company proved a delight betty found interior decoration thoroughly congenial not only was she fitted for it by rare judgment and discriminating taste but also during her three years at the pines she had been thrown much into the company of one of the teachers miss green whose hobby was decoration from her betty fortunately as it turned out received a fairly comprehensive course in the art before she took up its detailed study she thus began without that fumbling that comes from undertaking a work for which nature has not cut one out she did not go against the grain betty's friends thought that since one client had accepted her plans for decorating a library with it is true miss minturn's advice and supervision all would be plain sailing but those who knew saw that it was only the start in the long toilsome race for success there would not be a dosworth memorial library every week or month no week after week and month after month of studying designing planning and writing out specifications for miss minturn had to come in with that deadly monotony of routine that characterizes all pursuits and take all her time and thought before she received another commission fortunately her mind burnished with its own youth the long days the inevitable disappointments the prosaic details she steadily refused to dwell on the dark side of her experiences and gaily diffused her own hopeful views and created an atmosphere of cheerfulness for herself and others dangerously near a grumble was a favorite expression of betty's when she found herself lingering on the failures then she would brush aside the subject and begin a merry story 
she realized that the will to be cheerful and to make others cheerful grows with its exercise in just such apparent trifles as depressing or hopeful conversation presently katie brought in the dessert ice cream moulded in the shape of a swan the swan design was edwina's special delight please i want the head aunt helen she whispered confidentially the dismemberment began and mrs baird turned to betty now betty let us hear about edwina's secret she has a big bee in her bonnet this time aunt helen said edwina importantly her eyes dancing with excitement she delighted in betty's air castles and here was a real one in scotland no wise one not a bee but an eagle in my scotch bonnet replied betty with a great show of haughtiness and an elegant flourish of her dessert spoon what does all this mean elizabeth asked her father looking questioningly from one to the other i've been studying that splendid book of engravings mr anstice gave me at christmas it's all about scottish castles and oh father there's a baird castle shown in it and an enchanting legend about eagles that live in the crags near it only while the bairds remain the owners of the castle then betty told about true thomas's prophecy they certainly are very particular eagles evidently they know when the society is good laughed mrs baird the castle is for sale now betty went on with increasing animation how i wish we could buy it i don't believe it would cost much for it is small and tumble down and anyhow castles in scotland are as common as thistles bluebells and heather she wound up merrily i should like very much to see the castle said mrs baird her fine motherly face showing her sympathy with betty's enthusiasm it's a charming prophecy far more attractive than those commonly associated with old houses it makes me think of st francis of assisi and his saying my brother the bird you've heard something about the baird eagles haven't you father asked betty turning hopefully to him i have given very little thought to genealogy and i do not know much about my family though i do remember hearing my grandmother say that seven tall baird brothers came from scotland two centuries or more ago and settled in different parts of this country oh father do remember more she pleaded squeezing the hand with which he drummed thoughtfully on the table i'd love to be related to that prophecy and to sir walter you know the rhymer's glen is at abbotsford i've just been reading in lockhart's life of sir walter which you made me begin that he took an especial interest in families that had romantic legends connected with their name or house he'd love this eagle prophecy why of course he knew it he must have betty's mobile winsome face showed the varying expressions of hero worship of love of legendary romance and clinging to her girlish dreams she leaned forward her light curling hair touching her father's iron-gray head her dark eyes searching his thin scholarly face with the feeling that she just had to make him remember his family's scottish home i regret for your sake my child that i have not taken more interest in my pedigree now your mother could tell you all about the bairds if she were in my place he wound up smiling quizzically across the table at his wife yes i could averred mrs baird smiling back her appreciation of a perennial family joke 
you know they say shintoism is ancestor worship well then my shinto shrine is that big olive wood box there on the mantelpiece with my family's history that's the very first thing i'll grab if this house catches fire said betty enjoying her mother's joke are you sure you wouldn't take the picture of your scottish castle instead your mother's ancestors lived in mere houses not castles said her father slyly betty chuckled at the hit but defended herself spiritedly really father there's no snobbery in wanting this little tiny romantic thing in my life it makes well even commuting pleasanter to have this to think about it's only i don't know what but i'd give a fortune do you mean your pickles your marmalade your betty's slim right hand stopped edwina's pretty pert mouth to think of a genuine grinling gibbons cherub talking like that she lamented though dimples persisted in coming to her cheeks to keep company with the mischievous twinkle in her bonny eyes edwina indignantly jerked her head to one side why not go over there and try your name on those eagles said her father jestingly that would be a test as to whether or not you are the right brand of baird now father you know what i mean it would be living poetry to go over there and see that castle buy it hear the eagles scream know they knew us see their nests the heather the plaids hear the hurdy-gurdy you can hear the hurdy-gurdy almost any day in new york laughed her father betty joined in the laugh she could always enjoy a joke even at her own expense then he continued we shall find it rather difficult to live poetry in this age however i do believe in an avocation even a hobby to lighten our vocation and since you are interested in this legend elizabeth i will try to recall more about my people's history in our old homestead in pennsylvania there were bald eagles in plenty among the rocks of the alleghanies and it was a neighborhood saying that they came there when the bairds did though what gave rise to the idea i cannot say betty almost jumped from her chair there i felt it in my very bones that we were the eagle bairds her eyes sparkled at this confirmation of her hopes perhaps there are no bald eagles in scotland suggested mrs baird smiling at betty's enthusiasm i remember the eagles very distinctly resumed the doctor now warmed up to the idea as he looked into the depths of his cup my grandmother and later my mother were in the greatest terror lest the eagles should carry off the little children some day betty i want to take you to my old home though i fear there will be nothing left as it was except the old mountain and the trout brook the doctor lost himself in pleasant memories how long has it been since you were in your old home father asked betty her tender heart and quick imagination touched by the longing in her father's voice it was this warm sympathy that made betty seem everyone's contemporary i was your age elizabeth when i left there and every year i've planned to go back on a visit that is of late years why couldn't we go in your vacation in august suggested betty buoyantly dr baird looked up quickly and his brown eyes lost their meditative look and brightened like his daughter's as if he too liked to live poetry why we could do that he admitted betty clapped her hands good we'll camp out and be as wild as indians 
and maybe she laughed we'll find our own true eagles by the way said mrs baird after expressing her gratification over this summer plan didn't lois write that her father was going to scotland this summer perhaps he will find out something about your eagles oh he would isn't it too good to be true that lois is coming so soon dear lois it's a long time since we've seen her said mrs baird smiling tenderly at the thought of the young girl little did i think said betty playing absently with her tiny coffee spoon when i was so homesick at the pines and every girl in the school seemed to hate me and lois bird came as my roommate that for five years we should be like sisters we old people are falling into reminiscences laughed dr baird moving his chair so he could cross his knees and turning to look out into the garden where a new moon was making a faint glimmer through the lombardy pines do i belong to the bairds asked edwina suddenly she had not spoken for some time having evidently retired from the conversation to ponder the part she held in this prophecy of course you do edwina baird innes then if-if edwina paused for a moment betty saw by the determined gleam in her eye that she had found an opportunity to air an addition to her famous vocabulary and proceeded to egg her on yes edwina you were about to make a remark she encouraged her turning to her with elaborate courtesy if propinquity edwina sighed softly as the word came slowly from her strained lips would do we might build a house near the eagle's rocks if the castle costs too much for us to buy that sounds like a very practical idea said dr baird smiling as he patted edwina's small dark head and pushed his chair back from the table that won't do edwina dear protested betty her eyes twinkling with fun you can't cajole eagles with propinquity it says as long as the bairds live in the castle not near it cousin betty will surely go over and become a transmigrated eagle herself giggled edwina in revenge betty gave a little shriek which was covered by the sound of their chairs as they rose from the table to go to the side porch where it was their evening custom to stand a while and look out at the night who knows said mrs baird cheerily as she took betty's hand and placed it in her arm while edwina hung to betty's arm with both hands who knows but that the eagles may come here when they leave their old home if we are of the true fold well said betty laughing it would be a pretty long flight even for the baird eagles but i shall be on the lookout from this time forward henceforth and forever my fate is linked with theirs many a true word is spoken in jest returned her mother pleasantly but i am afraid i can't see how you and your eagles are ever going to become acquainted end of chapter two recording by holly jensen